South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. <laughs> wins in a row welcome to the south of the six podcast we are part of the stadium scene dot tv network and we are part of the overtime media crew so there you go long well matching the longest winning streak in canadian sports history the raptors have attained 14 straight dubs joining me to talk all things toronto raptors today is connor chambers of toronto sports Views. Connor, did you know that the Leafs and the Raptors are on a combined 14-game winning streak? Yes, I did. <laughs> I sure did, Adam. You happened to make mention that to me yesterday. I do. I, I did. I did. I made sure I texted you and uh, you knew all about it. Look, they're just trying to hop on the Raptors bandwagon and contribute. At least they're combined bro. Look, the Raptors right now and the Leafs are a combined 15 out of 16. <laughs> oh, Christ. I almost choked on my beer. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Hey, I, I mean, positive out of this is that the Raptors are now in the same breath and lore as the Calgary Stampeders of the CFL for highest win streak in Canadian sports history. That's so, what I'm saying. Um, those Calgary Stampeders. Yeah. Everyone knew about that 14 game win streak. I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a, no disrespect to the CFL. No, right? no but I mean, yeah, this no. is the most relevant. I would yes. say, yeah, the most yeah. impressive, maybe. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I mean, well, and and the, and you have to think of the actual like season itself, right? And you know, the CFL. There always seems to be a team in the CFL that absolutely dominates right. and is like. I don't even know. I actually don't even know how long the CFL season is, to be honest. Like, I'm thinking NFL season, but I know it's longer. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's like 22 or 23 games, maybe, in the regular season. I might be completely off. I don't know. Um, but I know it's a bit longer. Uh, so they might, like, their record may be like 18 and 2 or something. And then there's a team that's always like 3 and 17 or however long. And they always manage to make the playoffs because literally only two teams don't make the playoffs. That's how yeah. that's how shallow the league is. So you could have a terrible record and still make the playoffs. It's a, it's weird. It's a weird format. I don't know. Yeah. No, no doubt. Um but look, all kidding aside, the Raptors right now, they're rolling, man. This is uh if I told you, you know, given the past two seasons, this one including in that, right? Then if I said you have to pick one team that went on a 14 game winning streak. Um and let's imagine you've never seen uh last season or you know what has happened this season. I mean, the smart money would have been on the the team with Kawhi, right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, that, and that's just logically what you think best player gives you the best chance of fourteen game win streak. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is unprecedented, really. Like when you don't have a quote unquote superstar, and by that I mean like a a, a household name, um, you know, throughout the entire NBA. If you don't have one of those names, you wouldn't think that a team like this would be able to go on a 14-game a winning streak, much less losing three key players. And yes, I do include Norman Powell as a key player in this, uh, you know, this, this equation because without Kyle Lowry, without Marc Gasol, and without Norman Powell, uh, they still managed to scrap out a win last night against, uh, against Brooklyn. And it should be noted that we are recording this Sunday afternoon. 
Um, you got to be impressed with what you see, and you got to admire the the poise and the resiliency that this team is exhibiting. Well, absolutely. I mean, if you told me that uh, Norm pa- Norman Powell, Marcus All, and um, Kyle Lowry were going to be out for this game or, or out for even the foreseeable future, I may say, well, the win streak might be in danger, right? Mm. Like that. That's three guys in the starting lineup that have been positive contributors to the season. And they're out. So this mentality of this team and what they've described is next man up, right? Like that's been the motto this year and throughout the entire year, because guess what? We have, we've had to rely on all the men uh, coming into this year. There was that question of like, is this team deep enough? Right? Mm. Like when, when, uh, when Nick nurse was like, Oh, I can't run anyone in my bench because they all fucking suck. Basically, <laughs> Basically coming out saying that, right? Like, and we were all kind of going, Oh no, like what? We don't have depth on this team. Like, what do you mean? Like, I I thought Matt Thomas was going to be the guy and all this. And, and it was just, it was that, like, it was that narrative to begin the year. Now, when we come into this and we're now uh, 50 games in or so, uh, uh, and you're seeing now what this team is, you're like, I, I can't believe we had any doubts on how deep this team is. This team is incredibly deep and it's always been next man up. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you, you have to wonder... Uh, where your perspective was, or rather you have to recall what your perspective was on this team heading into the season. And although most people that I talked to, yourself included, were we had a favorable outlook on this team, Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody thought a 14-game winning streak was on the horizon. And I don't even think that, you know, we would pretty much be matching, if not have a better record than last year's at this time, right? 39-14 right now, second in the Eastern Conference. You would have expected Milwaukee to sort of be in the lead with this, and they are six and a half games. But if I told you, look, right now the Raptors are up two games against the Celtics, and we don't have these guys, and not only do we not have these guys presently, but at various points in the season, these and other guys went down as well. Man, like, it just goes to show you that, like, I don't know if the, if it's a matter of coaching. I don't know if Nick Nurse has some special juice that he's passing around. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but this team right now is, they're confident. They're professional, right? They, they, they're poised. They, they don't care about, you know, losing players. And I don't mean that in a sense of like, oh, well, like, whatever. We'll just do our job. It's more like they're just like let's just win this game let's just win this motherfucker like and and that's Mm -hmm. it and that to me is admirable right and i don't know it just goes to show that this team is special and i don't know that i've seen this in any toronto sports team much less the raptors any toronto sports team that's not a dig but i i just yet to see this kind of mentality and the step up mentality well, I, I've sort of made mention to this on a couple other uh, various public platforms of other podcasts and stuff where I've kind of said, look, last year was a blessing for this team, not just because they won a, a title. Like, obviously, that's the blessing in itself. But mm-hmm. now you've ingrained this championship DNA into the squad, right? They know what it takes to win. And the fact that one guy, two guys, three guys are down, multiple guys, starters, bench depth, whatever, doesn't matter who's down, those guys understand what they have to do it's not like they're sitting there and they're scrambling to go well oh i have to do everything now because player a and player b and player c are out they they understand what they still need to do in those particular roles and i think it's made a vast difference on this team and something obviously we've never seen before as fans because this is the first time that they've won but the the Kawhi leonard trade is still paying massive dividends to this team 
right. uh, he brought a mentality to this squad that uh, wouldn't have been there, I don't think, if it had remained Kyle and DeMar. And that's no slight to either Kyle or DeMar. I think that mm. both of them are, I think both of them are very uh, uh, quality characters in their own right, where they're hard workers and they understand what it takes to win. But that was a different type of mentality. That was like a killer mentality, but understanding that it's it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? Where it's like there we have this span of 82 plus where we have to play and understand you're doing this, you're doing this, here's your role. Do we all buy in? If we all buy in, we're going to get to where we need to be. It was it was exemplary in Serge Ibaka when Marcus Hall was brought in and he goes, Look, I'll come off the bench. I don't care if that's what it takes to win. So so you started to see this develop last season, and I think it's really blossomed in this season. And I couldn't be more proud as a Raptors fan. I think that that's really what's driving this team to be as successful as it is. Right. And how often do you see that with NBA players? Really? Like, no, not not often at not all. Would, often. would James would James Harden or, or Russell Westbrook do this? No. no, 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 no. You know, and that's for me. That's special, right? Like, how often do you see a vet? Right. This guy Serge Ibaka has been in the league for quite some time. Right. And how often do you see him with the how often do you see players rather with the mentality of, look, what's good for the team? I'll come off the bench like coming off of the bench isn't necessarily a, a bad thing, but there's a certain stigma about it. That is a demotion. Right. And it just goes well, to look at Lou Williams. Right? Yeah. Look at Lou, exactly. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it just goes to show you that there's a level of maturity and professionalism that this team is exhibiting and it all it all they care about is winning and not just winning regular season games they, they want it just seems like you know the narrative of toronto being this underrated c-level team um and city uh, amongst the u.s media it seems like this team is aware of that and it seems like they want to be the the symbol of hey we're going to prove it not just to like you know, ourselves and not just to the NBA, but pretty much to the entire sports world that this isn't bullshit. This wasn't a one trick pony, right? This, mm. is, this wasn't a snake oil kind of thing. Like we are legit and we're proving it. And it, it just, for me, it, that's special for me. That's, that's like, yes, like finally some team is representing the city of Toronto with like such poise. Like for me that I, I just can't get enough of it. And it's infectious, it's contagious, and I just couldn't be, as you mentioned, more proud of this team. And more, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't be more proud to be a Toronto sports fan. Well, and we talked about even coming off the bench right at the beginning. And look, I think that Serge Ibaka's game has been the best of his career up to this point. For sure. And that's, that's almost a testament to the sacrifices that he's made personally to, um, to develop and, and gel with Marcus Gasol, knowing that he's going to learn from him as well. Right. Knowing that um, like even he's complimented Mark and saying, I've become a better big man passer because of Mark. I've seen what he's done. I've seen how he stretches the floor and how he looks for the open man. And he said that it's really helped with his game. And I think it has. I think you can see that even just from the eye test. I don't know if the analytics back that up, but from the eye test, you can really see that with Serge Ibaka. So that's just one example. But um, you're absolutely right. It's I don't, I don't think that I've ever been as proud to be a Raptors fan as I have now, especially with the amount that a champion still has to prove in its next year to everyone else is is I don't think I've ever seen that except for maybe Cleveland when they lost LeBron. Mm. And he's like, oh, I'm out. But um, 
anyways, I don't, I don't, I don't think that, um, I, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen a champion have to still sort of defend themselves like that. It's, it's been quite a, quite a, uh, an experience, I think from even just a sports fan's perspective of being counted out as a champion from the last year. And now all these fans are around the, around like the, the U S and, and around the world that are watching the Raptors are saying, wow, this team actually still has it. Would you believe that they lost quiet, but they're still, they're even better than they were last year. I can't, I can't believe it, but those are the casuals. Basically, or it's just like, you know, piggybacking off of a false narrative, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of like playoff Lowry, right? Like it's yeah. just, it's just piggybacking off of something familiar or someone, something someone else said on Twitter. Um, yeah. But look, we're going to get, break all this stuff down. There's a whole lot to talk about. We're probably going to go a little longer than usual today. So brace yourself. <laughs> when do, when do we ever go short? That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> this is probably like, I don't know how you listen to podcasts, but like, especially long ones for me, like especially Joe Rogan podcast. Like I have to yeah. break those up into segments. I can't yeah. just sit and listen to an entire uh, three hour podcast. Not that this is going to go three hours, but I can't listen to a long form <laughs> podcast. Um, that's an entire WWE pay-per-view. I can't even, <laughs> you know, sit through that whole thing. Um, it's yeah. also an entire baseball game, but you know, nonetheless, we got a whole lot to talk about before we do a couple announcements. First of all, if you're listening to this for the first time, couple people are, are new followers of me on Twitter, and they mentioned that they're now subscribed to the show. So first of all, thank you very much. Very much appreciate it. Um, if you have the time, leave me five stars and a quick review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, rather. Really helps the show out. Really helps keep the light on. Really helps make this more accessible to fellow Raptors fans looking for content. So if you could do that, take two seconds out of your day real quick. I'd very much appreciate it. Um, also... Uh, blow up the Reddit boards, blow up your Facebook boards, tell your friends about this show, all the above. Your fellow Raptors fans would appreciate it if they knew content like this exists. Uh, Some dude from the U.S. talking Toronto Raptors is kind of like weird, and believe me, I got my fair share of that on Twitter already, but look, (laughs) it exists, it's here, and I'm not going anywhere, so tell your friends about this show, I appreciate it. Um, And look, this is something that, honestly, it's kind of serendipitous that we're doing this today. Um, today is February 9th, three years ago, Tuesday. So February 11th was the very first episode of the South of the Six podcast. So I've been keeping this rolling for approximately three years, approximately depending on when you listen to this. Um, I couldn't be more happy with the, the growth of the show. I couldn't be more happy with all the people, yourself included, Connor, that I've met along the way. Uh, it's been nothing but a positive ride. I, I haven't had really any negative experiences really that have you know really gotten to me everything has been overwhelmingly positive everything has been you know sort of on the up and up so the show has been going strong for three years and i think i think i've been doing this pretty much weekly for three years right so that's like 156 weeks straight of south of the six so look i'm gonna i have no end in sight i'm trying to expand i'm trying to keep this going so three years strong very much appreciate everyone's support that has been with me. Uh, however long, if you jumped in midway, still, I appreciate everything that you guys have done to support the show. And lastly, um, speaking of growth, speaking of expansion, I'm really looking into trying to ha- figure out how to do a live radio thing, right? So it will be on the internet. I'm, I'm looking up the intricacies. I have the equipment for it. I just need to know, you know, about hosting and software and stuff like that. So, um, the goal is to do like a quick maybe hour segment live internet radio so you guys can literally participate in real time, perhaps call in and like bounce off some conversation piece. Kind of like real sports radio, I say real, uh, like actual FM, AM sports radio that you guys listen to, but you know, you'll be free to say whatever you want and 
we can talk about whatever you want. So trying to look into that. It's probably going to come on the horizon. Just you know, be patient. And uh, otherwise, man, uh, yeah. Are you, are, you, are you ready to get into this? I'm, I'm absolutely ready to get into it. And uh, before we do, I just, yeah, if you're new to the show, um, unbiasedly, honestly, like from, from listening to other podcasts, South of the Six is definitely top tier for Raptors podcast. So even though I'm, I'm on this right now and talking to you through the podcast, I will, I will say that it is one of the best out there, especially for someone who doesn't even live in Toronto. It's, it's kind of crazy. Um, so give, give this definitely a good review, five stars, all that fun stuff. And, uh, I think that the live radio show would be a really nice addition. And I think that it's something that a lot of podcasts kind of really aren't doing. And I think that it's kind of a, an interesting way to interact with fans. And so if you want to get your voice heard on it, or if you want to become more of part of an interactive piece with the show, I highly encourage you to show your support for Adam as he kind of tries to figure out the intricacies, as he said, on on how to do it. And, and uh, if he sees his support, I think it's that's all he really needs to get it going. So uh when whenever you're ready mr Hostman, we're ready to get going so <laughs> well first of all your uh, your venmo payment just went through for that, for oh, that okay. so oh yeah it. okay beautiful so like so i'm good to go now you're i, good, I don't yeah. want to be held hostage no okay, no great. no more obligations all right cool all right guys it's a solo podcast from here on out i'll, I'll talk to you later all right um let's let's do this let's take our first quick break and uh, when we come back we'll just dump right into it hang tight this is the overtime podcast network <laughs> All right, let's start in semi-chronological order here. Let's start with the um, the naming of the All-Star teams. So, the prophecy was fulfilled as Giannis drafted Pascal Siakam with the second pick fourth overall in that quote-unquote draft, sort of like a fantasy draft, uh, as well as Kyle Lowry as a reserve. So, Nick Nurse will be coaching the trio of Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, also sprinkled into that mix will be Joel Embiid. That depends on how willing you are to believe that Masai would actually pursue him. There are trade whispers for Joel Embiid. I'm not sure if I'm really buying that, but time will tell. Anyways, you've been an advocate, at least, you know, prima facie an advocate for the whole Giannis to Toronto hype train. What do you make of this? If nothing else... This will be really fun to troll Bucks fans it's about. Right? I I fucking love it. <laughs> I love it. Look, here's the thing. Um, it's definitely a plus troll, right? The, these are these are factual statements now that Raptors fans can hang on to. Nick Nurse, Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, and Giannis Antetokounmpo will be a part of a team for uh, 72 hours over a weekend. Mm-hmm. They will be one group. That is a factual statement, and the fact that Giannis picked Pascal Siakam with the second with the second pick in his uh selection of teams drafting his other African brother mm-hmm. by the way brother brother keyword here brother yes. okay they're brothers they're united all right there's a keyword and then has the audacity on live TV to tell the world that this man stopped him from reaching the finals not even Kawhi Leonard no no Ka- Kawhi is, is old news Kyle Lowry stopped him from reaching the finals, and he's a great locker room guy. Yep. Great locker room guy. How does he know that? How does Giannis know that? He has to ask around if he's a good locker room guy. Is he in that locker room? No. Who's he talking to? His African brother, Pascal. Yo, my man. (laughs) Stop it up. What's good? Yo, okay. Uh, Tell me real quick. Kyle Lowry, good guy in the locker room? Yeah, man. He's amazing. Oh, okay. Yo, I'm going to take you too real quick. Hold on. I'll tell you that. Okay? So this is what I'm saying. Like, these guys are talking to each other. They they love it. But in, in all in all honesty, like I think it's uh 
I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be very entertaining. Um, I'm I'm excited for Raptors fans. Look, I, I've said this already that I think that it's really been a turn of a narrative for Toronto Raptors fan base where it's always been somebody else leaving, right? It's been uh, Vince Carter leaving. Chris Bosh is, is going to leave. Uh, um, you know, when initially there were whispers that DeMar might go to LA and then Kawhi comes here. Oh, but he's for sure leaving. And now it's like, no motherfucker, people are going to come to us. Right. Right. Like, like we're confident now as, as a, as a fan base and no one's wanting to leave. People are going to want to come. So, um, I think that Raptors fans with this newfound confidence, um, have to, uh, have to also temper expectations because I still think it's more realistic that 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 Giannis stays in Milwaukee as we've talked about before agreed yeah but but you you know there is still a merit to the fact that Giannis would come to Toronto if he doesn't choose Milwaukee I've publicly said if he doesn't choose Milwaukee he will I believe he'll come to Toronto so Raptors fans like enjoy it embrace it have your fun with it it's going to be the only weekend until he actually well maybe actually it might happen the next all-star weekend but um It'll it'll probably most likely be the only weekend that they'll team up until he actually is suited up in a Raptors uniform. So have fun with it, man. Like I've been trolling Bucks fans. I've been putting it out there. Um, I'm having fun with it. Uh, enjoy it. Embrace the moment because guess what? People are actually looking at Toronto as a true team, as one of the most fundamentally sound organizations, and they've won so many awards for the like the first ever. Um, organization awards or something that the NBA has been handing out uh, uh, for team like of business. The year or something like that. Yeah, yeah, team yeah. like team of the year awards, and they've gotten like business awards, operations awards, such and such, yada yada, marketing and all that stuff. And they are just so fundamentally sound and and so smartly built that players do take notice to this, especially international players that have no ties to the United States. Um, I think that I think. As as a Raptors fan, it's it's the greatest time to be excited about potential superstars wanting to come to this organization for the first time in what feels like ever. So uh, run with it, man. I embrace it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And if nothing else, right, this has made the All-Star game, at least for me personally, um, worth watching. Now, I've, I've been on record to say I don't really care to watch the All-Star game because A, it's really not for anything, and B, the Players don't even care about the All-Star game. It's, you know, pretty much apparent with how they play. And that's not a knock on them. It's just, obviously, they don't want to get hurt. Obviously, yeah. they just want to have fun with it. It's, it's a meaningless game. Essentially, it's a meaningless game. The win-loss doesn't count. Um, so, in that aspect, like, I wasn't planning on watching this game. But now that you see the lineup, and now that you see what is available for Nick Nurse to sort of fiddle with. It's kind of like, ah, maybe, maybe there's something to this. And yeah. again, this isn't to, to lend total credence to the notion that, you know, Giannis will inevitably be a Raptor. But it does for me, you know, speaking as a Raptors fan, and you sort of touched on it when it comes to, like, people leaving, the paranoia, the whole he stay narrative, last season and sort of this season, we'll get to it. But, like, you know, this whole... He stay or Vince, you know, fucking us over and wanting out. Bosch sort of fucking us over and wanting out. Uh, just the the dreaded days as a Toronto Raptors fan. It's sort of, uh, what's the word? It's satisfying, I'll say. Sort of satisfying that there's a fan base out there with just a little bit of doubt in Milwaukee. 
<laughs> like the Milwaukee Bucks, like they they may be confident that he'll stay when his contract is up. And as you mentioned and I've mentioned before, that's probably the most likely scenario, right? It's probably most likely that he's going to stay in Milwaukee because he's going to get like that super max contract. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on how far they get, we'll see. But there's got to be just a little bit of doubt that Masai Ujiri will sprinkle his magic on him and be like, hey, man, how would you feel about playing in that All-Star game with Kyle and, and Siakam? You know, I know Kyle's not under contract right now, but let me handle that. We have Pascal yeah. Siakam here, and, you know, even if we don't get Kyle back, we have Fred Van Vliet, hopefully, you know, knock on desk. We have these players that, you know, I'll take care of it. Don't worry, but, you know, mm-hmm. why, don't you, why, don't you, why don't you come over and be a Raptor? We got a great, great <laughs> Greek community here. Like, we got that for yeah. you, no problem. And, you know, you don't have to worry about anything. Yeah, it's cold, but don't worry. Kawhi, he, he came and rolling when, with just, like, a champion sweatshirt before. Don't worry about it. It's a little overblown. So why don't we you got come? that Canada goose there for you. Yeah, don't worry. Don't like, worry we got you. It. Don't worry about <laughs> it. We'll, we'll take care of you. Don't worry. And there are a lot, a lot of deals that you can have here. You know, mm-hmm. a, a lot of side gigs you can do here. We won't even bat an eye. So, like, anything you want to do. I feel like that is sort of in the minds of Milwaukee's fan. Maybe it's not amplified, but maybe it's just there just a little bit. He has an entire nation behind him here, it's right? True. Like, think about think about what Kawhi Leonard had for him, even sponsorship-wise or anything like that, brand-wise, before he came to Toronto. He had sort of this thing with Nike, and then he had this dispute, and he had the whole claw lawsuit thing going mm-hmm. on with them, yada, yada. He partners up with New Balance, and their merch flies off the shelves here in Canada because the the entire nation can't get enough of Kawhi Leonard. Yep. Because he's just a god-tier player. And he's this unique uh figure, right? He's like this enigma of this an un, un, unrecognizable type of mentality on the court because we've never seen I don't think we've ever seen as Raptors fans anything like that. This cold-blooded killer that's sort of emotionless but lovable and it's it was it, it was so weird the the range of emotions that you would have with Kawhi and the fact that he was always like the same level dude that just went in did his shots and came out and was like yeah, i played a good game i dropped 35 yeah it was yeah. Really good right yeah. and he branded himself and new balance knew what to do with it and they rolled with it and they were so smart in how they launched everything with fungi and with just these simplistic things and it took off and his brand and, and everything about Kawhi Leonard exploded skyrocketed. Um, I don't think that that has gone unnoticed and, and I, if it has, then I honestly think that that's really a slight to the player agents mm. because that's their job to understand and recognize when business opportunities present themselves for their players, for oh, their yeah. representatives. Um, this is a massive opportunity. Like you're going to get way more business opportunity in Toronto than you would in Milwaukee, right? You're going to get way more exposure in Toronto than you would in Milwaukee. And I understand that you still have the U.S. market when you're in Milwaukee. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not naive to that. But this is this will still spread. People still talked about when when Kawhi was in the playoffs, he was the talk of media. He was the talk of basketball media. Kawhi Leonard, is he the best player in the NBA? Because he sat 20 games. We didn't recognize how good he was, really, because he was sitting. And now we realize how good he is. Right. Giannis can still be the talk of basketball media when he is 
if if he comes to Toronto. Like I I think that there are these things that that the agents as agents have to explain to their players, and I think that the players will start to understand that Toronto is just one of those cities that's not thrown up north and we think like they, i think the players think that toronto's like yukon like <laughs> way the fuck way the fuck up like minus 50 in the summer and no one's paying attention to it and and i think that that narrative has also changed a lot with social media and everything too so look um that's honestly where he could go and i think that people I, I don't think players are naive to that anymore i just think that it's sort of become an understandable fact yeah, I think that, <clears throat> look, when it comes to whether or not there are opportunities in Toronto, that's it's been proven there are. Mm-hmm. Right? There are opportunities to in, advance your own personal brand without really much uh, interference from whatever team you're with, right? Like, it seems like a lot of Toronto sports teams, if not all of them, are eager to sort of allow players to to do their thing and to gain as much money and for sponsorships. Not that it's really up to them, but you can see like maybe there's a culture, some other places that are like, I don't know, maybe San Antonio. I'm, and again, I'm just spitballing here. Maybe like they're all businesses. Like they don't want to afford the distractions. Right. Right. I don't, I don't recall Kawhi Leonard having those types of opportunities available to him. Maybe he did. Like, I don't, I'm not in that market, so I'm not really viewing the, the commercials, but I do know that, with especially with the new balance gear that that you're right that stuff was selling out quick quick like mm. to the point where the site was crashed yeah right? so and when he was with jordan i don't he didn't have his own signature shoe true but like i don't remember like people i, I don't really remember much Kawhi leonard merchandise at all right so the right. opportunities are th- there are plentiful in toronto if you if you want to advance your brand so i'm sure that's on the mindset of of Giannis, and he's going to take all all these things into account but you know most of all obviously winning is important and obviously like coaching style is important it doesn't seem like nick nurse is going anywhere right and that seems like a a pretty obvious statement to anybody that's listening to this like he's not going to be relieved of his duties as head coach in fact i'd be willing to say that he's there for at least the next five years i would agree right and and probably longer but i'm just like hedging my bets here anything can happen Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. You know, if if he really likes the style of coaching, because I, I don't know that Nick Nurse is going to not try, right? I don't know that Nick Nurse is going to take this as casually as players do. Like, remember, this is his second year in the league. This is his first, so second year as head coach, I should say. Yeah. Uh, first time coaching the All-Star game, and I don't know that someone's done it that quickly. Maybe it's happened before. I'll have to look it up, but I'm sure he's very proud of this accomplishment, right? Winning a championship, then coaching the All-Star game immediately after. That, that's pretty cool as a coach. Right. As a head yeah. coach. Um, maybe Giannis is like, wow, man, I really like the way this guy operates. I really like how he, casual and laid back he is compared to Bud. Right? Yeah. Bud seems like kind of a stickler. He seems like a dude with the stick up his ass. You look at Nick Nurse, he's walking around with his acoustic guitar and playing drums and shit. Like, yeah. For me, that's, yeah. that's pretty dope. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe these are the little seeds being planted along the way. They'd be like, wow, they really got something special up in Toronto. Yeah, different strokes for different folks, right? I right. mean, Nick probably Nick style probably uh, resonates more with the younger generation of players, especially the ones like in the Giannis age group. Whereas Bud's uh, coaching style might resonate a lot more with veterans because that's how they were sort of um, brought up in the coaching style, right? And that might be how they best respond. I don't know, but you're absolutely right. I mean, Nick Nurse's rise in coaching has been meteoric to say the least like he was a rookie head coach that won an NBA title it's 
rarefied um, it's rarefied space mm. in the fact that he was able to do that. I think there was only four other coaches off the top of my head that have done such. I know Steve Kerr was the last one to do it. Um, Phil Jackson maybe was another one. Uh, and then a couple others, I think in the eighties or the nineties, and I'm not hundred percent sure on that. So don't, don't kind of don't tweet me at to underscore sports views on Twitter and say, bro, you don't even know your facts, man. It's like, <laughs> it's like five, it's like eight guys. And they're and they're like, stop. I'm just spitballing, spitballing. Okay. By so all anyways. means, let us know, but don't uh, be a yeah, dick about please, it. <laughs> but yeah, but just politely, like I, I got it. Like yeah. I don't have everything in front of me. Okay. I'm just off the top of my head. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. I even remembered that, but, right. um, there's a lot of things I forget during the day. So if, <laughs> as long as I remember that, I'm okay. Um, the fact of the matter is this, I think that he's earned a lot of respect, not only from players and not only from coaches around the league, but I think also from media too. And there's this growing conversation and notion that Nick Nurse deserves coach of the year and, and they couldn't be more spot on. Um, people are finally recognizing the amount of injuries um, and the amount of roadblocks that this team has had to deal with over the last uh, 50 games or so. And, that's no like people there's teams that say oh we've lost like one of our key guys and he's out for a week what are we gonna do and it's like bitch please we've lost three dudes that are in our starting lineup and we're still finding ways to win because we get guys like terrence davis to step up who's having an unbelievable run by the way shout out to terrence davis oh, don't forget love, don't forget matt love. thomas hey matt yeah shout out <laughs> maddie t maddie ice deserves a big shout out 15 points last night good for him hell yeah you know what i loved it and and i immediately thought of you when i when i saw the final <laughs> box there. i was like oh adam is having a heyday with this right now especially the fact that he contributed a lot more than patrick mccaw mm -hmm. did mm -hmm. mm. anyways um look the fact of what he has accomplished over the course of the year is nothing short but incredible and if he doesn't win coach, the only someone posted on Twitter, they said, what's the only way Nick Nurse doesn't win coach of the year? And I quoted the tweet by saying that I think the only way he doesn't win coach of the year is if they end up giving up the uh, like home, like the the home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. So i.e., not a top four seed. Yeah, I don't see that I, happening. And I and I don't see that happening. So otherwise, I think it's a lock. Like I think I think you can almost pen in. I think ninety ninety five percent. Nick Nurse is coach of the year by the end of the year. Um, to have a championship in your first year and have coach of the year in the second year of being in the league is is quite legendary. To be honest with you, like there's no other real descriptor of of how to put it. So players notice this, man, especially Giannis. I think that um, like Masai and Giannis are tight. Uh, Giannis has praised Masai. Masai is not going to bring in somebody who he doesn't think wouldn't gel with the future of the league. Um, I think it would be a perfect fit. Like, And, and he'll be able to now see firsthand in the All-Star Weekend how exactly Nick's going to deal, like you said, with the locker room, with the players, how he's going to let them be, but how he's going to structure it. And when he throws out that box and one on defense, I think that Giannis is just going to absolutely be horny. I need to yeah. play in this system. I need this. Bud, you're trash. Nick, come to me. I need you. And then he's going to come to Toronto, and then that's it. That's it. If you think about like the, the notion of and the cliche, rather, of if you can't beat him, join him, right? And mm. Look, Kevin it, Durant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a perfect world, right? In a perfect world, think about the Raptors. You know, pushing to the Eastern Conference Finals this this coming season, this coming playoff run, and maybe meeting Milwaukee there, right? And it's just in a perfect world, imagine if they make it to the finals, right? If I'm Giannis, 
great. I'm, I'm objectively, objectively, and I'm sorry for anybody that disagrees, but you're wrong. Objectively, Giannis <laughs> is the best player in the Eastern Conference yes. right now. Like, yes, it's yes, just, yes. it's not even close. Um, if I'm the best player in the Eastern Conference and I get eliminated by the same team over and over and over again, I kind of want to be on that team, right? Because especially with the guy that like eliminated me pretty much um, in, in terms of scheming, not like physically, but in terms of the scheming aspect, you got to admire that because if he can eliminate Giannis, just think what he can do with the other scraps, right? Mm-hmm. Just think what he can do when it comes to the other players that are maybe up and coming. Like, we don't know, maybe Jason Tatum makes a giant leap forward. It's, it's, it's possible, right? And maybe, yep. you know, Nick Nurse will devise a plan to shut him down. Like, maybe. yeah, that's what I'm saying, maybe. Like, or, or maybe Depot is, like, this awesome guy moving forward, like, much like he was last season before the injury, but he takes an, another accelerated step forward. Like, there, there are these players that are, you know, sort of on the rise, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't discount the fact that maybe Nick Nurse can eliminate these guys. Maybe his scheming is that brilliant that he can come up with these these defensive measures to sort of eliminate them, or uh, not eliminate them, just contain them, right? So if I'm Giannis, I'm thinking to myself, man, this guy thinks on, like, this completely different wavelength, right? And, and that was discussed when he was coaching overseas, when he was coaching in, in I think it was England or what, whatnot. They, they were like, you can't do that. And he's like, well, why not? Like, his coaching mm-hmm. staff was like, you can't do that. He's like, why not? Well, because, like, that's, that's sort of unorthodox. Well, that's not against the rules. Being unorthodox is not against the rules. That's In crap. fact, being unorthodox is sort of unpredictable. And when you're unpredictable, th- then the other team's sort of scrambling and doesn't know what to do. And we've been seeing that, right? And so if I'm Giannis, I kind of want to be in that system. Or if I'm just me, like, I don't know how he thinks. I don't know. But, like, I imagine that athletes out there are looking for advantages and having a coach that does things in unprecedented ways, to me, is an advantage. Think think about all those coaches that I mentioned before and then some. So, like, we got Steve Kerr, Phil Jackson, um, Greg Popovich, Mike D'Antoni. They've all sort of been known for implementing something unorthodox, right? Like, Steve Kerr really hammered in three-point shooting and the emphasis of three-point shooting. Um, you had Mike D'Antoni with his infamous seven seconds or less. Mm-hmm. Um, you got, you, you know, Popovich and, and Phil Jackson with their, like, triangle schemes and stuff like that. Like, there was there, there were a lot of different things that coaches did in their time period that were considered to be unorthodox or um, ex- like exactly what you said, unorthodox. Just not, this isn't how we do things. This isn't how the NBA operates and you're going to you're going to suffer because this isn't how we roll. Right. If if these things haven't been implemented, the league stays stagnant and the league doesn't grow from it. I think the fact that Nick Nurse is doing these things is to me and my perspective showing that he is the next coach to change almost the way the NBA is played in terms of certain different elements. Of we're it. seeing it. So we're seeing it. Exactly. We're seeing it. Yeah. We're seeing it. It's it's visualized. So um, I think I think for me, he is that next guy to, to take it forward. And who wouldn't like you said, who wouldn't want to play for a guy like that? Who wouldn't want to be one of the players known for the forefront of change? Like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson uh, were known for the forefront of changing the league to become three point shooting. They're going to be synonymous with that. Mm. So um, if if Giannis can be synonymous with other changes that Nick Nurse brings in it just furthers his legacy. I, I think I think it furthers Nick Nurse's legacy too. The fact that he's got a massive star to work with, and 
potentially maybe two now if if he if Giannis were to decide to come to Toronto. He would have worked with Kawhi Leonard and Giannis Antetokounmpo in like four years. Right. And that's a pretty impressive resume, right? And if he could win a title with with both of them in two different time periods, I think that that's I think that's all that's like Hall of Fame right there. He could retire after year five and I think he'd be <laughs> inducted into the Hall of Fame. Like he's it's it's nothing short of incredible of what we're seeing from from Nick Nurse in terms of what he's doing. The only caveat that I have with him is Patrick McCann. I still don't understand that. <laughs> but <laughs> everything else of what Nick Nurse is doing, I've been incredibly impressed. He's blown away expectations that I had of him coming into the first season. I thought he'd be a good coach. I just didn't think he would be a great coach that fast. But he's he has picked up so many things. And I don't know whether it's from his assistant coaches or just his coaching experience or what. But he's done a fantastic job, and I couldn't be again more proud as a Raptors fan to have Nick Nurse as my as the uh, head coach leading the squad. To put a bow on this, um, I, I want to, you know, sort of rope it back to the, the paranoia, maybe paranoia that Bucks fans have. It's just these are the things that, at least as Raptors fans, that we think about. So I don't know if there are any Bucks fans, exclusive Bucks fans, that are listening to this. Probably not. But if you know a Bucks fan, like you know, sort of take these points and and you know just whisper these into their ear see how they respond because like <laughs> much like how lebron left cleveland right and i'm i've never been to milwaukee never been to wisconsin so i don't i don't know how it is there but from what i imagine there's not much to do right so if you know lebron left cleveland now it's a wasteland right mm. Giannis leaves milwaukee <laughs> They're going. They're back, irrelevant. Yeah, they're irrelevant. They're, they're going back. Like yeah. they're going back to to irrelevancy. So yeah, just I think. Look, I think I think Chris Middleton isn't bad. I, like I don't I don't think they would be like a bottom like three team. He's I not think a that franchise they still guy. Have, but but they're not. Yeah, exactly. Like he's not a franchise guy, and um, that team would probably met medal with the eighth seed potentially, maybe like nine or ten. I just don't think that they would be anything good without young i i just i don't i don't know i don't see it maybe they're like maybe they could reach like a fifth c potentially if they max out their their production but in the way this east is currently constructed if you just flipped Giannis onto the raptors i think that milwaukee would be uh in, in with the way it's currently constructed six seed maybe six or seven right i think seven maybe but time will tell maybe maybe all this is for not and you know he ends up saying in milwaukee and if that's the case, that's cool. Like I, oh, well. I, I admire loyalty, but we'll figure it out. We always do. So, <laughs> all right. Having said that, uh, we're gonna take another quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about this Maasai to New York nonsense. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. So this just won't die. It's like a cockroach that just like <laughs> you, you swat it with the newspaper. It's just not going anywhere. Um. The series of events you would think would have put a bullet in this already, but there remains just a little bit of doubt. So let's I want to go through this chronologically here. So yep. James Dolan fires Steve's Steve Mills from as Nick's president. All right. Walsh tweets out immediately. Or maybe within the same tweet. I, I don't recall, but Dolan is gunning for Masai to fill in that position. Okay? Waste no time. Masai Ujiri is under contract as a Raptors president until the end of 2021, although it is unclear whether or not he has an early buyout after the season. The reports that I've read are sort of conflicting. Um, Woj tweets out that there are a lot of hoops to jump through, and probably Dolan probably doesn't want to get nailed with tampering charges, so he's just losing interest. 
Dolan then goes on to hire Leon Rose to be the next Knicks president of operation, so removes Ujiri from the equation. This is good, right? Everything's riding high, right? Well, not so fast. So Catherine Cullen of CBC News tweets out that she is in Ethiopia covering Canada's push for UN security seat. I'm not political. I don't know what the fuck that means. Anyways, Masai was there for the support. Masai declared his affection for Canada, to which Colin asked if that means he's sticking around for the long haul. Ujiri responds, I'll always be a Raptor. So that's not a clear-cut, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. You want to hear. You, you want to hear something a little bit more concrete than, I'll always be a Toronto Raptor. What do you make of this? Because I'm going to be honest, I'm like 10% worried. So where are you on the oh fuck meter I naturally, uh, and please clap <laughs> after this. I hate the Knicks and don't care. <laughs> okay, so like, yeah, fuck the Knicks. Okay, I wanted to throw that in there. I was so glad that you were going through this chronologically because I had a chance to pull that up. So <laughs> I had it on cue. It was ready to go. Um, look, here's the thing. Um, he he doesn't, like, There's there's no... There's no certainty past his contract, um, which I believe expires next year, like 2020, 2021 2021 is when his contract expires. Um, It's from a business perspective, it's just smart. Like he's not he's not committing to something that he's not locked into. Right. Um, He's leaving like anything can happen. So from that perspective, like, look, I don't think that I'm worried. I think. I think if Masai wants to stay here, it will get done. I do think that if Masai chooses to move on from this team, I think that he would go one of two directions. I think it would either be to grow the game of basketball in Africa and deal with, he might even be the like commissioner of NBA Africa or something. Like He might mm. make that a whole thing and just run with it and be the Adam Silver of like NBA Africa. Right. Because he could he could do that. And I think that that could be a viable league or or type of subsidiary of the NBA. Um, I think that would be something that I think he is interested in eventually will do. I just don't know when. Uh, Second thing, which I I think is less likely, but still a possibility, is he just goes into more of the political realm and and helps with uh, political issues that are surrounding sport in these uh, third world countries could be a thing that he wants to do like he's he was seen with trudeau and and dabbling in a little bit of political stuff and he's got ties to obama so you know what maybe like that that might be an option i don't see an option where he leaves the raptors to go to another nba organization i just don't think it happens Hmm. um i i don't think this Knicks shit has been going on for three years like it started in 2017 and guess what you don't have them you're a fucking embarrassment of a franchise. The Knicks are trash. They're hot garbage. I can't stand them. They, the fans are chanting to sell the goddamn team, Dolan. It's true. You suck. It's true. You're, you're, you, I don't even know how Adam Silver allows you to own this team. Like You should be banned from the league for all the idiocy and stupidity that you employ in your organization. People don't even like being on the Knicks or working for the Knicks or watching the Knicks or buying Knicks merchandise because you're hot trash. You have not improved over five years. If I am, if I'm a GM, if I'm a president of any team, 
why would I want to go to that dumpster fire? I'd get skewered in six months and I would be run out of town and no one would want to hire me again, i.e. Phil Jackson. Mm. I would like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to ruin my legacy over that and then potentially tarnish something in the future that would be an NBA Africa or political aspirations. I just, I, I don't, it doesn't make sense. I wouldn't do it. Um, I, I have zero, uh, I, I, have, I have zero worries about the Knicks. I go to sleep well at night. I don't worry about them because they are the worst run organization in the NBA compared to the best run organization in the NBA. I take pride in the fact that Dolan wants Masai Ujiri, but guess what, Dolan? You're garbage, all right? MLSE, Larry Tannenbaum, they know how to take care of their people. You don't. You clearly have never actually run a successful organization because the Knicks are losing. They are trash. They haven't made the playoffs in how many years? Exactly. Stop. Stop pursuing these people, man. I hate it. I hate this narrative. And then it's run by the U.S. media like this isn't going to happen. Stop talking about them. Stop making them relevant because they're not. It's so frustrating. Like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving chose the Nets over you, man. Right, right. They chose the Brooklyn Nets over you three years ago. That wouldn't even have been or five years ago. That wouldn't even have been a conversation but you have decimated this franchise and they should have went to the next, but instead they went to the Nets because they said, I'm not playing for a dumpster fire. You don't have enough pieces and you, and you suck Dolan. You're garbage. I'm so sick of it, man. Masai Ujiri won't fix your problems. So stop coming after him. Figure it out yourself. Sell the team actually, because you can't figure out anything. I'm so sick of it. Fuck, well, I hate the Knicks. So you're a zero on the, oh, fuck. I'm a, I'm, I, I, I am a, I'm a negative a hundred on the oh fuck a meter because they're i i could give fucks to people for them to give because i can give them away because i really don't care i i don't think that this is an issue i think Masai said all the right things and i think that we're reading a little bit too much into this and i understand why mm. people were a little bit concerned about that comment like i get it but if i were in the same shoes as Masai and i didn't have any certainty over the next year or two or maybe i just wanted to see what would happen i would say the same thing I think he's always going to love the Raptors, and and I think that he his last NBA franchise tenure will be with the Toronto Raptors. So I think that that's what he's saying. They'll be a Raptor for life until he moves on to something that's completely different from from the NBA league. Right. It just for me, none of this would be that much on the forefront, and I could probably wipe away that comment as you know something that Masai is using to his advantage, like. Maybe that's his whispering way of putting pressure on MLSE because sure. he could literally walk into the office when they want to talk extension because they will. They will. He can literally walk into the office and say, this is my price, right? Mm -hmm. And if you don't meet this price, I promise you someone else will. I promise yeah. you someone else will. And it, it's true. Um, and don't get it twisted. I tweeted this out. There will be a day where he's gone. Like, Masai yes. Ujiri will not retire his life, like his professional life as the president of operations for the Toronto Raptors. That's yes. not going to happen. I'm sorry. Yes, like yes. It, much to the dismay of people listening, people move on from things, especially high profile people in these high profile positions. They tend to want to, you know, do more. Right. And yes, we're Raptors fans. Like to, to us, like we've reached the pinnacle. We've got the NBA championship and this is the, is the best run organization in the whole entire NBA in our minds like what more could you want well like he might have personal aspirations right as you mentioned like if, if, if this nba africa thing does take off and i don't even know if this preliminary is this happening right now is this a thing i don't know i think that they're i i actually don't 
fully know the details of it. I just last I had heard about it was that they were interested in developing something like that. And they had consulted with Masai Ujiri okay. because of his work with Giants of Africa, yada, yada, yada. So he probably has the connections to build something there in terms of infrastructure and operational wise. But that's sort of last I'd heard of it. Right. So like if if something like that does open up for him, like obviously to him and his personal aspirations, that's way more, it hits closer to home than yes. running the Toronto Raptors. And I, I, I'm sorry, like, I, I would probably end up doing the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if, you know, if on the off chance something was offered to me and I'm here in Rhode Island, say something in Toronto offered to me, I'd probably jump at the opportunity because, like, that to me is where my heart's at, like, even though I'm down here. Um, I love that. Yeah. I love hearing that. Yeah, so it's, it's just <laughs> like, it's whatever is personal to him may not necessarily be as personal to, to you people as fans, so you guys as fans, myself included. Um. So in that aspect, it's going to end. But what gets me is the, I think it was Mark Stein that reported, uh, maybe I have that wrong, but whoever reported uh, Adam Silver nudging Masai. Mark Stein. Mark Stein at West Stein. Nudging Masai to do this. To me, that is a whole nother level of tampering that we cannot police. And for me, that is something that that is crossing some giant ethical lines because yeah. if that is true and i don't know if i necessarily believe it but if that is to be true who is policing this right who is policing this tampering and if that is policed by some like you know independent agency maybe the nba pa whatever it is and that is you know brought to whose attention like this is sort of like a weird goodell kind of thing whereas like who's going to penalize Adam Silver for tampering, if this is true. You know, Adam Silver is the one that hands down the punishment for tampering. So he's going to punish himself? I don't think so. So for me, that is what was like, okay, this is this is getting really eerie, and I don't like the taste of it. Mm. That is where that 10% worry is. Maybe it's made up, but for me, you got a guy like Mark Stein that's like kind of reputable, and I know he writes for, I think it's the New York Times, kind of reputable and like this is not someone i feel that writes for the fucking times that's gonna put his name out there and spew out bullshit without at least a strong reliable source behind it yeah it for me that i'm just like okay something's up something is at least been discussed yeah i don't know i I, like he, he said that he had two sources i believe i don't have the article in front of me but i think he said that he had two sources that claimed that Adam Silver was trying to push Masai Ujiri to this. Um, look, who polices the sheriff in town, right? Like the sheriff is the sheriff and and he's the guy who runs the show. The only way the sheriff is gone is if the civilians kill him. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the, the only way, so so in, in terms of that analogy, it would just have to be the fans, right? Like, Well, no, the, because the, the owners employ him. Well, and that well, and that's just it, right? Like, I, there, there's zero, there's zero chance that that would happen. I'm just saying that that would realistically be like the only way. Yeah. And um, and and there, and there's no chance of that happening. So, um, Adam Silver ain't going anywhere because a fan, a fan outcry, and no one's gonna outcry for the Toronto Raptors anywhere else, really. Like, I'm sorry, you might, you might have sympathists uh, somewhere else, but um, there won't be. It wouldn't be like. Uh, something involved with the Lakers and then them moving to the Knicks and everyone's like, whoa, whoa hold on a second. Right. Like if that was a Masai Ujiri on the Lakers, 
and they were trying to push him to the to the Knicks, the entire basketball media and and the whole world would be like, you can't do that. What are you talking about? Yada yada yada. Um, it's the Raptors. They don't care because it's not a story. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, it's it, it worries me a bit, and obviously the. Uh, the NBA office was very quick to uh, uh, to douse this fire and say that none of this was true. Um, I think that you're not going to hear a, a bit from Mark Stein in a while. I think he's going to be blacklisted now. Um, I think that that's good. I think that that was a very tough piece for him to write. And I do agree with you in the sense where um, I think that if he put his name on it, he would have had to get it from someone credible. But I think he also had to understand the risk in, in for sure. Yes. In incriminating the commissioner of basketball in a massive tampering allegation. Uh, I don't think you're going to hear from him in a bit. And I think that a lot of his other sources are going to start to go dry because of the fear that, well, if this if, if this gets back to the NBA officer, this gets back to Adam Silver, like I'm done. Right. So um, unfortunate. I But, you know, where there is smoke, there's fire. I don't think that that comes from like if this was that re fucking dude on Twitter, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't bat an eye on it, right? But um, because it's coming from Mark Stein, even though he does write for the New York Times, he's still a credible news source, and he does pop on like Canadian news outlets like Tim and Sid and TSN and stuff. Like he he does that. So I'm I'm inclined to believe it, but there again, there is two sides to the story, and I and I'm curious. I know NBA hasn't commented on it, nor they, nor will they, um, which they shouldn't. But yeah, I, I think I think that there might have been whispers of it, but I don't think it's to the extent that he wrote it as either. I think that it might have been an idea that was floated out, but I don't think it was ever sort of brought to Masai and said, "Yo, man, like you're you're moving." Right. I don't think like, I don't I don't think they would do that. Right. So so to me, I'm just trying to think of like how this would have all transpired. So. I don't know. It's it is still worrisome that the fact that this might have even been a thought uh, transpired like uh, to me, that does worry me, not even just for the Raptors, but for the future of the NBA, as you may mention, because no one's going to sit there and be like, well, we have to punish Adam Silver and we'll find him half a million dollars. And right. then that's it. And it's yeah. like that doesn't happen. Right. You can't just do that. That's, that's not the way it goes. So um, a little bit worrisome. But at the end of the day, I think that Masai won't. And besides the type of guy that I just don't think wouldn't bow down anybody and be like, yes, sir, I'll move to the Knicks. Right. Like, that's not the type of guy I think he is. He's going to he knows he has a plan. I think he's always had a roadmap of what he wants to do. And I don't think he's going to deviate from that. And I don't think the Knicks are even remotely in his roadmap. So I, I, I think it's OK. It's not that. I, uh, so I think there are two different things that you can extrapolate from, you know, uh, sort of theorizing about what went down and with the, the Adam Silver thing. I do think Stein got the memo, like, from a source. I think that's legit. I, 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 again, I don't think he made this up to push a narrative because he writes for the Times. I think that's... Uh, not that you said this. I, anybody that's thinking this, I think that is com- completely na- naive well, to think I that. Did, I, did, I did throw on Twitter that he does write for the Times, so things might, might favor New York a little bit, but I still think yes. that he is a credible guy to still present things in a somewhat unbiased perspective but sorry, exactly continue. like no no he yeah. he he's pushing a narrative but that tip that he got 
uh, from a source, yes. I think he legitimately got that yeah. tip. Yeah. Whether or not that tip itself was legitimate, I don't know. And the severity of that tip, I don't know. But you got to, uh, you got to imagine that the person, the source that gave Stein this tip, knew he was going to write about it. Right? You don't just give the tips to as a source and expect. Oh, he's just not going to use this. No, he's going to use it. Right? And so, like, the fear of maybe this is going to come back. Like, no, you. This is premeditative. Like, you you knew it was coming back. Right? So, for me, it's 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 worrisome to an extent because. Maybe the extent of the conversation, if there was one at all between Adam Silver and Messiah, was like, hey, man, how do you feel about maybe taking over the Knicks? And maybe Jerry was like, no, I'm not interested. Okay, cool. Like, I just kind of exactly. wanted to put it out there. Like, yeah. you know, like, you think about the th- the opportunities, but if that's not your thing, that's not your thing. And then this source, quote-unquote, sort of ran with it and over-exaggerated it to Stein. And which Stein, like, put it down like he had conversations with Jerry about, you know, taking over the Knicks, which was true, but, like, the extent of which those conversations, we don't know. So, like, that's the way I'm kind of looking at it. But for me, like, I, and even that, I don't necessarily quantify or qualify that rather as tampering. It's just more of, like, keep your nose out of this, man. Like, don't, no, I, mm-hmm. just stop. Like, let let the chips fall where they may. We'll see. Um, yeah. I'm not worried that Messiah is going to go to New York at all. But I am worried that, you know, when the time does come for, for an extension, it's going to be like, this is my price, and MLSE, although they definitely can afford it, might be like, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think I think that they will. Like, I've seen them pay for high price executives and coaches. Like, they gave Babcock a lot of money, which is the head coach, former head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they yeah. gave him a ton of money. Um, they made him the highest paid coach ever by, like, twice the amount that the second highest paid coach was. So I don't, I don't think... Look, Larry Tannenbaum is going to say name your price, and I think Masai is going to say a hundred million dollars for, like for say four or five that. years, and I think Larry's going to say, "Okay, sign here." Yeah, like, I don't. I as as a as a, someone who kind of understands the the ins and outs of MLSE and what they've sort of done business wise over all of their properties over the last five ten years or so, um, especially with a team that's winning and one that has cultivated this culture, I don't think that. I don't even think any price would would have them like worried, right? I don't I don't think there's a price tag with MLSC where they're like, well, I don't know if we can afford to do that because like they can afford to do that. So um, I, I I think I think they'll be okay. I think that they'll be fine. Uh, I don't think that there should be any worry that MLSC is not going to match something and then James Dolan would would do it. Right. Um, I I think that they're arguably the like a dollar for dollar i think that they would match any other ownership group in the nba so to me it's not really a a concern from my point of view that Masai would walk because they can't come to terms on dollar amount it would just it would have to be something else for that not to work in my opinion so a complete zero on the oh fuckometer zero like zero absolute zero as, as like not even 0.1 it's like zero point like it's 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 negatives it's the needles broken to the left that's like correct yeah. like it's it's off like the glass is shattered yeah the needle is completely twisted around it's done like a 180 or i guess a 90 degree if you're at zero and then you want to go down okay yeah anyways. it's to the left uh, math, yeah. was, math, math was never my strong suit yeah <laughs> it's, it's gone it's gone to the left it's down below it's pointing down to the ground that's how many fucks i give because honestly like this to me this is buried now this is six feet under i don't care about this i don't want to i don't want to hear another rumor about nicks 
and Ujiri ever again. I am so sick of it. Those guys can go as as the as the as the Europeans say go vakaga, which means go mm. go take a shit because I'm so sick of it. Um, and and honestly, it's it's not a story. I don't think it's a story. I don't necessarily like. I, I don't think that this has any legs. I will say the Raptors hands and echo exactly what you said, Adam. There will come a point where he's going to leave, but I don't think it's for something NBA organizational related. It's going to be something that's a different venture. All right. So hopefully that eased the worries of Toronto Raptors fans. I, I certainly feel a little bit better about it. I'm still hung up on the, the Adam Silver thing, but I guess, you know, we'll never know. So it doesn't really no. matter. We'll just, we'll just have to wait it out. But, all right, having said that, we're going to take uh, another quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the trade deadline and what happened or didn't happen. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. So the Raptors made the right move by doing absolutely nada at the trade deadline. And this is basically as you and I predicted. They stood pat. Um, and it made the most sense, right? This notion was reinforced by Bobby Webster and the presser following the deadline. Uh, he stated there were offers on the table, both big and small, but, you know, at the end of the day, it made more sense for the club to stand pat and not to remove anything more from its future. Um, however, while although the Heat made, you know, the most buzz around the deadline, I'm not convinced that this pushes the needle uh, much further for them, but whatever. They acquired Iguodala, Jay, Quara, Jay Crowder, and Solomon Hill. Traded away Justice Winslow, Dion Waiters, and James Johnson to Memphis. A lot of people hyping up Iggy, but eh, how do you feel about this? Dude hasn't played basketball this year, man. Like, yeah. and then he got his bag, fifteen million for next year. How, like, this guy's the ultimate finesse artist. All right, I want his. I want his. <laughs> um, his agent for sure. Isn't he? Is doesn't he have his? Isn't he his own agent? Is he? Or okay, be, even better. He might. He might be his own agent. And again, I I might be completely wrong on this. Um, but I had read somewhere th- that he was, and I don't. I don't know. I didn't actually follow up on it, so that might be false information. Um, I actually think that he is his own agent. Uh, if that's the case, man, like this dude is ultimate finesse artist. I don't know how he does it. Um, I don't know how this this guy like he's making money off of things he's done three years ago. And in this new age of like analytics and um, future predictability and how you're going to be in the next year or two or whatever, this dude is still finessing the most genius people in Pat Riley and being like, bro, like I, I, I was finals MVP one time, man. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> like, you gonna give me the bag or what? Like, I'll pair with Jimmy. Like, and then he's like, oh man, yeah, you got me, bro. Here's 15 million. I'll throw in a team option for 15 next year, too. How about that? Ah. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, man. Like, obviously, the, they won't pick up the team option, but still, like, are you kidding? I don't know. Iggy's not that, like, He's old, man. He hasn't played. It's going to take him a while to get his legs under him. I don't care if he's been in the gym. It still takes a while. You haven't played in a game. You right. haven't played back-to-backs. You haven't traveled with the team. You haven't this and that. And I get you've, you've done that already. I get it. But I'm not worried about it. Jay Crowder, like, I'm not really worried about that. Oh, I'm so worried about Solomon Hill. <laughs> okay. Like, right. I'm not worried about that. Like, that, like that's, that's garbage. I actually really like what Memphis did. They took an asset and Andre Iguodala that wasn't playing for them that mutually agreed that he was not going to suit up in a Memphis Grizzlies uniform that was getting yipped by his teammates by they're like, this guy's an old fart. 
fuck this guy. Get him off our team. We want someone who wants to play with us. And they get a buy low candidate in Justice Winslow, who granted has had injuries and hasn't really performed to the hype that he was supposed to. But this dude, if he gets it right in Memphis, can be a really nice piece on that team. Um, they did a fantastic job with that Andre Iguodala trade. And I've, I really like what Memphis has done. Uh, a plus for them. They, they really won. But the the Miami thing, look, I would have been a lot more worried if they got Gallo, which we've yes. talked about. Yes. Right? I would that then I would have been like, oh, okay, hold, pump the brakes, hold on a second. But I guess they didn't pull the trigger. I, I'm assuming that OKC wanted uh, one of Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, or Duncan Robinson. And if they were asking for like a Duncan Robinson, it would have been like plus a pick or something like that. Because uh, I don't think he's as valuable as the other two, but. It was probably just too much for the Heat to want to give up because they probably still want to keep that that core with them. But then in the same token, it's like if you're going to push in and you got two older guys in Iguodala and Jay Crowder, do you don't not want to bring in a guy like Gallo? I don't understand what it's like. It's like they kind of went for it and then they sat on the fence and they're like, ah, actually, no, I don't want to. Oh, OK, I'm stuck here now. You're right. 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 And it's like, oh, it's oh. And now so so now now they have these young guys who they could have moved off of one of them to get a gallo, which if they by acquiring Iggy and Jay Crowder, I thought that they were going to do for sure. Um, they just couldn't orchestrate it, I guess. And that's fine. Happy days for Raptors fans. I don't think this really moves the needle for the Miami Heat. So not really worried at all. And in terms of the Raptors, I'm, I'm happy they stood pat. If the price tag for Gallo was something that was kind of crazy that they thought was was not worth it and they didn't pull the trigger, I'm happy with that, too. Otherwise, um, if if it was a reasonable ask and they didn't pull the trigger, then I'd be like, oh, OK, but I trust you, Jerry, and uh, and the operations staff there at the Raptors to make the right decisions. So Bobby Webster and company. So um, I'm, I'm fine with it. Once this team's fully healthy, that's our trade deadline acquisition, and then we're going to run with the East. That's it. Absolutely. And, you know, so uh, when it comes to the Heat, I think that although it's like they made the most moves, right, and they definitely made the most noise, and people like to equate that as, okay, so they're going to be successful, right? And to me, that's a false equivalency. Just because you make, you know, the loudest buzz in the trade deadline doesn't necessarily mean shit when no one else really made much buzz, right? And that should tell you something. Like, don't you think that if the Milwaukee Bucks really wanted to step on people's throats, that they do what it would do? What they would have done what it takes to get Gallinari, or if the Boston Celtics, ah, fuck the Celtics, they're not doing anything. But if like <laughs> the Pacers were like, "Yo, we're we're in this. Like, let let's go. Let's 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 push because we're we're coming back to full health. Let's go." They would have done a move or. Even Philly, who's sort of fallen off and having locker room troubles, don't you think it'd be like, all right, let's eliminate the problems here and make our teams better for a strong postseason run? Like, these teams didn't do anything. And just because Miami did doesn't mean they're they're exponentially better. It just means they did stuff. That's it. That's yeah. literally all it means. And, you know, you look at the surrounding teams. Like, I, I was talking to a buddy. He's like, oh, man, Iggy did the heat. And I'm like, and? Like, so what? <laughs> like, what are we talking about? What are we doing? Well, no. this guy is 36, right? And I, he hasn't, you're right. He hasn't, he's not in game shape. He hasn't played full contact with, with players really in a game speed. What are we doing? And plus Jimmy Butler's hurt. So that's going to like kind of fuck the heat a little bit more in the, you know, at least the immediate future. Um, I don't know, man. For me, it's 
the move that made the most sense for the Raptors were, was to stay in Pat. I imagine, like, we were talking about it on your show, which, by the way, if you, anybody hasn't subscribed to the Toronto Sports News podcast, please do. Um, you can listen it. to that episode, of course. You can listen to that episode where we talk about the trade deadline sort of in hindsight. Um, you can listen to that. We talked about the, uh, Gallinari being the target uh, and how, at the time, the person that would have made the most sense to give up, not that we wanted to, just to make salaries match, would have been Serge Ibaka. I'm glad that move didn't go down, but if Mujiri had this offer on the table, I'm glad he said no. Because mm-hmm. Serge Ibaka is playing, as we've been talking about, like MGA, NBA Jam style on fire. Like It is oh, ridiculous yeah. how good he is. So, you know, the, the offense is start, starting to tick up. I don't think there was anything really on the table to strengthen the squad. And, you know, talking about Gallinari, thinking about it, what reason does OKC have to sell off that piece? Like, some team has to finish an eighth in the West. Like, they've been surprisingly good. What incentive do they have to really move on and not make a playoff push? Because once you're in it, you just never know. Chances are they're going to get eliminated first round. But still, you never know, and it gives, like, the sense of hope for a franchise that was doomed, at least, you know, on paper, in the preseason. So what incentive do they have? Yeah, a lot of people thought they'd be in contention for the number one overall draft pick, right? right. Like, there right. were a lot of people that said, this team's not even going to win. Like, they'll win 20, 22 games this year. And obviously, now looking back at that, that's that's really embarrassing to be so far off. I didn't think that they'd be that bad. I I did not think that they'd be a playoff team, though. I, I thought they'd be, I, I thought they'd be like a ninth or tenth, and that wasn't a slight to them. That was just, I thought that the Western Conference was going to be better than, I thought there'd be eight or nine teams in the West better than OKC this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I am I love the Thunder, man. Like Specifically because I love Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Grew up in Hamilton, like about 15 minutes from me. Um, guy, guy's a baller. Uh, love the way he plays. Chris Paul has shown that he's found the fountain of youth there and, and has played really well. Um, the only way that I would have seen them shipping off Gallo, and I think the reason why they were even entertaining the offers is because he's an expiring contract. Right. And yeah. um, if you're not super confident about re-signing him, you want to try to get some sort of assets back. It's, again, asset management. And it goes back. <laughs> Where's that t-shirt? To, I, need, <laughs> I need to make a t-shirt, man. I, I, will, I will make an asset management t-shirt. I, I'll do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it, 100%. You'll see it. It's going to come up soon. All right. You've heard it here first on the South of the Six podcast. Asset <laughs> management. You want to walk around with that? I might, I might have like a tick Kyle Lowry booty and just have ass at management and then just have it like, <laughs> anyways, um, look, it's, it's all about that when you're, when you're a general manager, um, if you're not super confident that he's going to resign, granted they are in a playoff spot and they're performing really well. So that's always the nice fallback It's like, well, look, if we don't get our asking price, we're not going to sell them off for something cheap. Like what Detroit did with Drummond. Right. Right. Like, we're not we're not in a position to have to sell this player off because we're still in a good spot record wise as a team where he can still be a positive contributor. It's not like he's going to be a positive contributor to, to a team where we're competing for a lottery spot and we don't necessarily want to win. So um, they just felt that the asking price wasn't being met and I don't blame them for keeping them. But then in the same breath, I wouldn't have uh, blamed them for shipping him off if that's how they really felt that he wouldn't come back and i don't know if he's going to so um i i, I kind of get it and that's sort of why i zoned in on him even though with the record that they had i just think that he might have been an expiring contract that would have been an interesting move for them for any party to make to acquire him but 
I'm glad the Heat didn't. I'm glad he's staying in OKC. Like I don't, I would not have wanted to see that guy in the East. So uh, good for them. Obviously, Danny Ainge might have even talked to them about it. We just didn't want to ship off his one million young assets and draft picks. So right. as he does every year, guys. Fuck, I can't. I don't. I don't know what that guy man. So you gotta. You should uh, do some some investigating as to how crazy it was here in New England oh. because like everyone's pissed. Everyone's pissed that Danny Ainge didn't do anything and just sat on his hands. They've had enough. And I was talking oh, sure. to my, I was talking to my buddy at work. I'm like, dude, he's got to go. Like mm-hmm. he, he's made maybe two good trades, maybe, and like, and I don't include Kyrie in that. I include right. the, the acquisition of Garnett and Ray Allen and stuff, and the trading away of Ray, uh, Garnett and Paul Pierce. Like yep. those are maybe the two best trades he's ever made. But he's what have you done for me lately, man? You haven't done anything to push my organization for. Well, that organization for I would never call hey, it mine. Be be kind. He is a former Toronto Blue Jay. That's true. That's true. <laughs> those powder blues. This is, man. A blue, this is a Blue Jay alumni we're talking That's about true. here, Danny Ainge. For those that didn't know, he actually did play for the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, fun fact of the day. So um there you go but look uh, maybe i'll make an asset management t-shirt and send it <laughs> off to him and i'll put it right on his desk they'll say what's up bro I asset mean, management <laughs> when you look at what drummond was traded away for to the Cavs, like basically for nothing mm-hmm. like i had a lot of celtics fans around here saying how much they wanted drummond danny h could have beaten that easily easy easily easy. and yeah, like, easy. I, I you have to imagine that an offer was at least extended or a conversation at least was at least extended to him, and he was just like, "No, I'm not giving you anything at all for him." And like, what it, they what so, did Detroit like you get want here? <laughs> you want to roll with Ennis Cantor and Daniel Tice? Yes, right. like that's okay. Like, I mean, look, it wasn't until recently that Ennis Cantor could even cross the border into Canada. Like that's when true. they first signed him, I'm like, great, we won't be facing Ennis Cantor in the playoffs uh, on home games because he can't come over here. Right, right now, obviously now it's changed, and I, I. Obviously, I'm I'm happy for that. Like, it, no one should be restricted in in a country. Obviously, so good for him. But um, I was like, you you need an upgrade. Like this this position needs upgrade. Andre Drummond would have been a great fit in Boston, mm-hmm. uh, especially for what he was given up for. Danny Ainge, how give up the Memphis pick? He won't. That's it. He like won't. like just give it. Uh, like I don't know, man. I I guess they're pretty like, and I don't know what their salary cap table looks like to be honest. So. I don't know what contracts would have had to be moved out to fit Andre Drummond in there, but uh, I don't know. Or maybe it was just maybe Boston did table an offer and Detroit's like, nah, fuck you. We're giving them to a team that has zero chance of competing. So see you later. Nah, they just slide. Yeah, I don't know. I just leak. don't think Boston made an offer. Yeah. They leak. Like it, yeah. we would have known about it. He sat on his hands. Yeah. He did nothing. I think Evan Brutal. Turner was like, rumored but like at that point I'm just like all right cool like you're not, you're not even on the radar boston so. nah. mm-hmm. um yeah. but you know wrap up all on the trade talks i'm glad that toronto didn't do anything it made the most sense the buyout market looks interesting uh the two names that i have in mind one just for you know for funds one that i think legitimately could help um if bismack does get bought out i would love to see him back in a raptors uniform just to have like I, look nothing against chris boucher i just would rather have a little bit more size underneath that like <laughs> that i can rely on and just biz, some some meat on the bone yeah and like biz yeah. won't get pushed around and let's face it he, people love biz there's no bad blood there um no. and i people are getting bought out of charlotte 
you know, by the hour here. So it's it's not inconceivable that yeah. maybe my, uh, Michael K. Gilchrist yes. and um, Marvin Williams, yep. the two that have just been bought out by Charlotte, wouldn't be surprising if Bismack is too. It's a big, it was a big hefty contract that he got his bag though. So good for him. But, That's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. so if he does, get, chances are he won't, but we'll see. Um, and you know, lastly, we talked about it, Vince. If Vince gets bought out, and this is for sure his final year, I say why not? He's not going to get a lot of run, and maybe he will. Maybe he will get some run. Maybe he'll get like ten to fifteen minutes, but um, it's just for you know to to, to finish the circle and to finish the loop. Uh, if he gets bought out, I would love to see him back. Yeah, I I was actually on the Raptors Rapture podcast uh, yesterday. If you guys want to check that out, uh, links are on my Twitter as well. I've kind of retweeted that. But um, we sort of talked about the bio market and the two names that I brought up were Bismack Biombo and Vince Carter. Oh, there you go. So, <laughs> so I'm sitting here and I don't know. We're on the same wavelength, man. Like with with trades. Spoiler alert on the TSV podcast. We had the exact same people in trade scenarios, which was kind of funny. Um, and now at the bio market, I haven't talked to you about this, so you you wouldn't know. Like we both have the same people on the buyout market. Uh, I, I think, I think biz would be a great fit for this team. Um, if, in a, in a limited role of eight to 10 minutes a game, uh, if he, cu- he comes in, if, if we need a big lineup, maybe against a team like the 76ers or the bucks, you want a little bit more size and rebounding. Cause you feel like you're getting bullied on the, on the glass. Uh, maybe you run a Bach at the four with biz at the five and Siakam at the three, maybe like, I don't know. Like if you want to go big, you could do, you do that. that. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like against like then, Philly then, or something. Yeah, against Philly, and, and maybe run OG at the two with Kyle or 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 Fred at the one. Right. So um, you could go big with that lineup. It gives you that flexibility. He, you'll know that what he provides for you. Um, or if Serge uh, or Mark get in a foul trouble, right? There's an option for you. That's a typical center to come off and and still do well for you in terms of the boards and uh, getting into the paint. I think he's still effective that way. Obviously, Vince, we've seen what he can do against the Raps, man. Like mm-hmm. he, he still has game. I think that people are, are really undervaluing that aspect of Vince Carter. Um, and I think that obviously nostalgia purposes would be really cool. And I think that he could actually still be a positive contributor to this, even if he's not getting playoff minutes. I still think that he'd be a valuable asset to this team for the remainder of the year. Uh, Atlanta, like, don't do him dirty. Like, let him go. Like, give him a, a chance to get a ring. Christ's sake. Right. Um, fuck, like, the guy's in his last year. He said he's not coming back. Like, be nice to the man and buy him out. Jesus. <laughs> uh, anyways, those are probably the two. And I preface this by saying to everybody, look, Jeremy Lynn was, was bought in the buyout market last year from the Raptors. And... There is this notion and this initial thought and response from media members and fans out there that Jeremy Lin was going to come in, give you 25 minutes a game and shoot 40 percent from three and get like 15 points a game. No, like bio bio market people are not meant to be massive contributing factors to your team. That's why they're bought out. Right. Right. There might be the odd person that gets bought out there. You're like, whoa, why was he bought out? Like this guy could actually like be get solid bench minutes for my team. Right. Well, like well, that, me, that happens. Let me interject. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not contributors to contenders. Yes. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. It, it, that, for, if, if you're on like a like a Cavs team or something like that, like you You'll might get, get some. Yeah, for sure. And that's th- thank you for saying that. Cause that's that's definitely very important to mention. Um. For contenders, they're already good for a reason. 
if they're being and if players are being bought out, chances are they're going to want to sign with a contender. Right. And they understand the role that they're in. A lot of bio market guys say, look, like I know that I'm going to have limited more limited minutes on this team. I just want to be on a team that gives me a chance to win and and rebuild some value in my career. Um, for for guys, for for fans and for media to expect biomarket guys to come in and do those type of things is unrealistic. Like we'll never see another Bismack Biombo 20 rebound game in a Raptors uniform ever again. That's not going to happen. I like I, I will bet my life on it. It won't happen. Barring injury. So, bar, but if, yeah, of course. I mean, like, yeah. like unless he's starting, right? right? right for right. whatever reason, surgeon marker out, Chris Boucher, you don't want starting and Bismack Biombo starting, then maybe. But, um, in the role that he's supposed to be in, you won't see it again. Mm. So let's temper expectations here a little bit, depending on if if and when the Raptors make a move on the buyout market. Just temper expectations a little bit, please. That's all I ask. Please just do it. Because I don't want to go through this again of saying, guys, hold, pump the brakes. It's not, not going to contribute that much. Let's not be crazy about this. Yeah, it's just it's depth, right? And depth is fun. And it's it's always something that you want solidified. Heading into the playoffs, not that you're going to run that much depth in the playoffs. You probably, I don't know about Nick Nurse. He he does some weird shit as we've already you know discussed. But it's possible that he might limit the rotation to maybe like eight come playoffs uh, consistently. We'll see. But you know anybody that does contribute, uh, buyout market as you mentioned, these players want to do one of two things: either they're towards like the end of their career, or they're uh sick of losing so they want to join mm-hmm. a contender that will you know appreciate and utilize their skills in a limited capacity or they're on a final year of their deal and they're still young enough where they're like hey i want to show that i can earn a, a decent contract next year so they join a shittier team in which they're going to be promised some sort of role in minutes and they can you know exemplify their talents like that for me is the two scenarios so bismack Biombo, i feel is a, is a known uh commodity he know like players out there, or rather teams out there, and management out there knows what you have in a Bismack Biombo. So in that respect, it's not like he's getting limited run in Charlotte anyway. He's getting pretty decent chunk of time. Right. So, so if he is bought out, maybe a reunion with you know Toronto is something that he's interested in. Maybe that's you know compelling to him. And it's a, a former championship team that's well on their way to a promising playoff run. So maybe you know he's like. Fuck it. Let me let me be part of that. And you never know. Like if Marcus All, when he does come back from injury, wants to have a rest day, maybe a load management day here and there. Same thing with Serge Ibaka. Then yeah, I'd rather run out uh, Bismack Biombo in some role, and and still use Chris Boucher at the same time. So like to me, it's it's not going to eat up anybody's minutes. Um, I had a buddy of mine on Twitter, Matt, tell me about or rather ask me about Isaiah Thomas, and although I feel bad for the role. Or for the predicament that he's in, like he just keeps getting dropped by teams. Like I no one's used to what Isaiah Thomas for me. I'm just like I don't I don't really see a fit for Isaiah Thomas here because uh, you have Fred and Kyle Lowry really taking over, you know, as the the two de facto guards on this team. Uh, it would limit Terrence Davis's run, uh, and for some reason Nick Nurse has a hard on for Patrick McCaw, so obviously he's going to get some run too. Um, and I'd rather see Matt Thomas get the minutes over an Isaiah Thomas, personally. Personally, yeah. I, I know it's fanfare, but um, so it wouldn't surprise me much like the trade deadline if the Raptors did nothing with the buyout market and just run with what they have. Like you don't need to get something from the buyout market. It's just nope. good to have that depth. That's all. And, and well, and it's it's also good to even be considered as a team that would have some interest from players in the buyout market. That's right. always a good sign, right? Like that's always a sign that your team is good enough that 
warrants some interest to be part of a team for the future as competing for that for the rest of the year. So. All right. Well, with that, we're going to take our final commercial break. When we come back, we're going to give you the two sweet moment of the week. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. It's time for the two sweet moment of the week here on the South of the Six podcast. You want to go first? Uh, yeah, okay. I'll do it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you remember when the win streak looked like it was in jeopardy against the Indiana Pacers? Yes. Oh, game yes. one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and all hope was lost, and you're like, okay, the Raps kind of make it to like a two, three point game, and then the Pacers go on this like seven zero run, mm-hmm. and you're like, Christ sake! And then they get back to like two, three, and then the seven zero run, and finally in the fourth quarter, the Raps are just like, fuck it, I'm more sick of this, and they just went beast mode, led by the man himself, Mister Art Serge. <laughs> And my man, Sergi Baca, hits this dagger three right in the face yeah. of the defender. And that, to me, was it was just too sweet, man. Beautiful. I loved it. it that, that was art. Perfect. Did you see um, uh, what they're doing for him now for his drops after he hits yeah. he hit shot? So now, instead of doing the, uh, how about that, they do... Uh, I do art. I do art. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's awesome. Um, I had a feeling you were going to go with that. And to me, like, that was what I was going to roll with. But, you know, because I didn't want to have a duel or a duplicate too sweet moment of the week. Uh, I went with the play last night. I announced it. It's a deflection by Davis in the fourth quarter. Terrence Davis. Uh, recovered by Fred Van Vliet. Dished to Pascal for a uh, fast break with a nice no-look pass to OG for a slam. That is teamwork. Right there. Yes. That is team chemistry. And, uh, you know, we ragged on OG a bunch recently. And, you know, for me, for good reasons and for you as well. Um, it's good to see him slowly trend in the right direction. I would like it accelerated just a little bit more. But if it's not, whatever. Um, so that for me, I, I just love that sequence. That was pure team effort. But uh, that Serge Ibaka, like, you gotta love it, dude. You gotta love that three. It, it, I think he was even fouled on it. They didn't call it. And he still yeah, I, I, I think he was fouled, too, to be honest. And, like, that's just when the man is is hot, like, that's fuego. Like, yes. he is he's hot, hot. Like, you gotta feed it to him. Uh, great recognition by the team to get him the ball, too, in that in that moment. Mm-hmm. So, um, confidence by Serge to shoot it, too. Like, everything went really well. And the things... I, Indiana led for, like, 99% of that game. Or, or I guess, well, the first quarter, the Raptors were up by like 10 or something, right? And then and then Indiana just blew them out after that. And they had the lead for like three quarters of the game. Right. And then they lose. And that's what happens when you can't close. It happens when you don't have that championship DNA. You know what I mean? So Can't hang. Yeah, can't hang with the boys. Can't hang. Um, I, I kind of want to circle back a little bit to that OG thing quickly. Because sure. I think that there's, um, on, on Twitter, I think there's a common misconception that you and I don't appreciate the value that OG and Anobi brings to the team. And I kind of want to like air that out mm. briefly. Uh, I, I can, and I think I'll speak for you as well too. And if, if I'm, if I'm completely off, you gotta, you gotta interject and let me know. But mm-hmm. Adam and I kind of understand, like we, we appreciate what OG and Anobi brings to this team. We understand that his game has always been defense first. I don't think that, I don't think that we've undervalued that. Like we really respect his defense and the effort that he brings um 
we would just like to see a little bit more on the offensive side because um, he's kind of been trending in this stagnant same direction. And I just haven't seen that gradual increase from what we expect from uh, a younger player. Just I, I we don't think that he's trending in the right direction offensively, but we still really respect him. And we when we say that we would include him in trade rumors like we wouldn't sell him off for a bag of balls like that's not what we're saying we're saying that if it's a player of value returning and the other organization in return wants og we wouldn't consider him untouchable like some of you like i to me he's not an untouchable player anymore so i think that i just kind of want to throw that out there so that people kind of get more of an understanding of where we're coming from on this because um, I wouldn't trade, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade him away for like an Andre Iguodala, right? Like some people are like, Oh, you could trade away OG and for like an Andre Iguodala. I'm like, what are you talking about? Right. Like I would, I wouldn't do that. Like there's no way, but um, if the right player comes along and, and one that you think is, is a better fit for this team and that provides that value and it's a good, it's a really good player. And they ask you for OG and OB in return. Like you have to consider it at this point. We hope that the narrative changes and we say, oh, you can't touch OG. Like this guy is, a, this guy's a stud. Like, this guy's a star. We hope that it changes to that. We still believe in him and we hope that he gets to that point. But for what we're seeing right now, it's just, it hasn't been enough. And you can interject now. No, I, I, I think yeah. that that's, yeah. Uh, it's, you're spot on. I don't, th- basically what we're saying, for, you know, if we're doing a TLDR here, it's it's yeah. more of, we're not advocating for a trade. We don't want him traded. We're not saying trade OG. We're not making that declaration. What we're saying is if there is something better and someone wants OG and Anobi, you have to at least consider it. And that is at the very least. Um, yeah. Offensively, he's been a seesaw. I think his best game this week was the second game against Indiana. I want to say yes. he put up 16 points. Yes. Right? But there, every other game, it was single digits. Now, I know you said defense first, and last night that was lockdown defense to end the oh, game. Yeah. It was gorgeous. I'm not going to take anything away from him when it comes to that, all right? But when it comes to, you know, the production and, and you know, the potential that we've seen in him here and there offensively, I just want to see it more consistently. That's all. It's no different than how I was discussing Norman Powell last year or the year before or the year before that. I need to see it consistently. That's it. And, you know, no one would have bat an eye last year if Norm was traded. You, you may bat an eye now because it's in retrospect because you've seen what he can become. And maybe that's, you know, a testament to, to holding to your guns if you trust the talent. I get it. But right now, I just need to see more. That's all. That's, I get that he's fun, and he just came out with that video with Serge Ibaka. Great stuff. People get attached to the personalities, and for good reasons, I get it. But if there can be an upgrade and OG's on the table, fine. And literally, that's for any player ever, right? Maybe, save for yep. Pascal Siakam, but yep. right now, if there's a player out there that could significantly improve your squad, you make that trade. Like, look at DeMar and Kawhi. Like, what, what's the mm-hmm. issue here? What, what are we doing? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, well, because the, the attachment is there with DeMar, right? right? And at first, there were people like, you can't trade DeMar for Kawhi. What? This dude's on. This dude doesn't even want to come here. Like, what? Blah, 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 blah. And then, like, we haven't seen this guy play. He's been injury and, and all like this. All this narrative happened. But in retrospect, Kawhi is a much better player than DeMar because he's a much he's he's arguably the best player in the NBA. Right. Like, at least top three. Like, you can't argue that. So, um, when you when you examine all of that, when if you're going to trade OG for a guy that's 
a potential star or is or is a star player or can be a nice number two piece alongside Pascal or however, like whoever that player may be. Don't have a name off the top of my head, but just whoever that may be, whether it was this year or next year or whoever, and he's still performing at this rate, you have to consider it. That's all we're saying. That's I don't it. I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't trade him away for the sake of trading him. And I and I know you wouldn't either. That's just all we're saying. So don't uh, next time we make a make a maybe next time we make a uh, oh OG could should be explored maybe in the off season. Just maybe don't jump down our throats as fast next yeah. time. Then well I'll, I'll reference this podcast and make check this time stamp and this will give you your answer. It's just it's not that we want to. It's that it's asset management. Right. It's it's, <laughs> it's asset management. There there are scenarios that you draw up in terms of trade conversations and you know no one is untouchable maybe except for pascal siakam and yeah. you can yeah. argue fred van vliet but with the expiring contract yada 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 it's trade deadlines pass anyway it's all irrelevant yeah. but all right let's get into predictions and we'll wrap it up monday versus minnesota at home even though minnesota came out guns blazing last night and took that dub against the clippers i'm not, i don't care raptors are winning Yo, this game. they they did that without uh d'lo yep yeah. That was that was crazy. They had some weird stat lines in that game. Um, Carl Anthony Towns was the third leading scorer of that game, by the way, and they ended up beating the uh, Clippers by what is what is this? Uh, twenty seven. Yeah. Quick, quick maths. Twenty seven. Holy smokes! Like you take a look here. You got uh, was was guy? Yeah, Jordan McLaughlin. 24 points, 11 assists. Household name. You, like, <laughs> go to work, my man. 37 minutes. Like, good for fuck. Team leader in minutes. Jesus Christ. Malik Beasley, 23 minutes. You should know Malik Beasley. 23, 23 points, 10 rebounds in 29 minutes. Like, good for you. Carl Anthony Towns, 22 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, Josh Koji, 15 points. Uh, Juan Hernan Gomez, 14 points. The entire starting lineup, nobody had less than 14 points. Yeah. Like, uh, and then you got James Johnson off the bench. We talked about him. 15 <laughs> points. Like, it's it's unbelievable. They did this without uh, D'Angelo Russell. Like, good for them. And then you got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can't hold the team. Like, Patrick Patterson, you bum ass. He's three points. You suck. You're in the starting line. He played seven minutes. So you get hurt. Like, what, what happened to him? I, I didn't like I didn't watch because he sucks. Yes. So that's why. Um, and anyways, uh, yeah. So I, th- I think I think that there's a lot to um, a lot to like about this Timberwolves team, but we're going to blow them out. So uh, that's a dub. So that's 15 <laughs> Wednesday yeah. at Brooklyn dub. Yeah, it's a dub. Um, 16. I, yeah, that'll be 16. Yeah, I think I think that this I think this win streak rolls to 18 until we play the Bucks. Wow. All right. So coming out of the all-star game, we got Minnesota again. Yeah. Oh, no. Sorry. No. Sorry. We got Phoenix. Oh, Phoenix. Yeah. Indiana. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So I think we'll see team. I think we play the Bucks, and then maybe that, maybe the buck ends there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I'm oh, nice. Saturday, there. all-star game. You, I Look, I know we're happy about. Giannis um, picking. I gotta pick Braun. Braun's team is just fucking ridiculous. Team Braun is disgusting. Like that team is good. Uh, even even the bench guys. Like, why are you picking Bam out of bio for if you're if you're Team Giannis? Like like what that early? Yeah, I, I don't. And then and then like two picks later, he picks Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. 
I'm like, okay, I don't really, I, I didn't really understand his thought process. I think he's just looking for like toughness and size and he just wants to be a big, big unit. Um, but look, team LeBron is just stacked. Like, Ridiculous. There's, there's no other way around it. I think that they'll win every quarter to be honest, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe Giannis explodes one quarter when the bench is on for team LeBron or something. Like, I don't know, but, um, I, th- I think it's going to be, uh, because they, they do it by quarters now, right? That all-star format is by quarters. It's quarters, is... so you win three. The, the three first three quarters are separated. They're, they're each their own game. Yeah. And then the fourth quarter, they combine the score from the three, and you have to win by... The differential, right? Yeah, the, the first team, 24 or something after that, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so if if you're if you're down by like ten from those three quarters, you'd have to score thirty four points. Yeah. The other team would have to score twenty four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like I said earlier, math was not my strong suit. It's not so really, bad. not really vibing with that, to be honest. And then and then they changed the three point contest. Why would you do that? I don't yeah. understand. Like it was fine. Like They're that that, that event was fine. Now you got this Mountain Dew garbage. Like trying to inject more sponsorship into it, like it's like a four point line or something like that. I don't know what it is, but um, anyways, not really a fan of the changes that they brought in. Uh, I I hope that it ends up turning out well. I just don't. I don't know. We'll see. Like we'll the see. the thought, like the thought was there into in bringing Kobe, but I think he could have just done it in a lot better of a way. I don't. I don't think that's really the way he would have wanted it. <laughs> Shit. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But uh. Look, the All-Star Games coming up this coming weekend. Um, you got two games to look forward to, two regular season games for the Raptors to look forward to. I think they push it to 16. You put, think they'll push it to 16. Uh, yeah. For me, that's that's uncanny. That is ridiculous, and that is something to be proud of. So, um, not bad. Yeah, that's yeah, not bad to say the least. Um, <laughs> so having said that, uh, before we wrap up, I do want to echo something I said last show. At the end of February, we'll be having a special edition episode of the South Six Podcast. Keep your eyes and ears open for that. It is the last weekend of February. But having said that, Connor, the floor is yours. You know what to do. Go for it. All right. So you can uh, follow along on Twitter at T-O underscore sports views. Uh, you can check out the podcast as Adam may mention too. It's the TSV podcast. Um, last episode that I did on there was with Adam. Uh, we were talking about trade deadline. It was about a week or two ago. So uh, just if you wanted to kind of listen to that and see some uh, some comments in hindsight and talk about uh, we talked about how, how long the Raptors win streak would last or if it was going to last. So that was kind of some interesting conversation there. Uh, a lot of hindsight in the in the podcast. So if you want to just take a look back and listen to the archives of like two weeks ago, be my guest. Um, and you can also check out the website, torontosportsviews.com. Um, you can find some articles on there, uh, just stuff that I write about. If I if I feel like putting something up there that I that I haven't said on the airwaves, it'll go up on there. But um, yeah, that's that's basically about it. Make sure that you're leaving this podcast a good review, five stars, all that fun stuff too. Uh, it's it, it helps out everybody that's associated with it. So um, Adam, thanks for having me, and I, I really appreciate it. And it was a lot of fun. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, we'll call this a three-year anniversary podcast. That, that's yeah. Fine. Uh, thank you for everyone again that has supported me along the way. There's no end in sight. Keep this train going. Uh, and until uh, next time, see you later, Connor. See ya. 
Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Raptors.